guys, welcome back to It's a Theater Thing and our special recap of the FX series Fosse Verdon. As you probably know by now, the show follows the lives of Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon, which are basically Broadway royalty. And I have again with me Aaron Carl. Hey, Aaron. Well, hello. Hey, how did you like episode number two? I loved it. It was so good. The first one was like a good just general introduction, like, okay, this is him. But the second one just really started out getting down to the nitty gritty. Yeah, I thought so, too. I also felt like this episode moved a lot faster. Like, I just flew through this one. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting. So when we last left Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon, she had just traveled to New York to get a pretty gorilla for their cabaret movie. And she is knocking on their hotel door in Munich. And she doesn't know what she's going to find on the other side, uh, which was Bob Fosse and his translator who was sleeping in his bed. And this episode, we cut to the two of them on Mallorca, and they're trying to patch up their marriage. So Mm -hmm. The one thing, I don't know, Aaron, if you caught this, the one thing they didn't really explain was, why was Joan Simon there? <laughs> they, no, yeah, besides being Gwen's friend, like mm-hmm. maybe she called for backup, but yeah, they really didn't delve into that too much. Yeah, I would think that if you're having marital issues and you're going off to, you know, a, a a secluded area to work things out, you wouldn't have your good friend there. It would just be the two of you. Yeah. Uh, she did say Neil was inside. Like they were talking, you know, he was, as she was getting in the car leaving, they were talking about, oh, come inside. You know, we have all this, you know, Neil's there cooking. She's here doing this. So maybe it was kind of like a friend's retreat. Maybe, or it could be that, uh, Joan and Neil invited them there so they could work out their problems. That could be. Yeah. Mysteries of the world. That's right. <laughs> so then we cut to New York and they give us a graphic that says it's 323 days since Gwen won her first Tony. So she's at a lunch meeting discussing damn Yankees. And this is when she first finds out she's going to be working with Bob Fosse. She didn't seem to really want to work with him, though. No, not at all. <laughs> no, she was she was definitely against it. And then she finds out she's going to have to actually audition for the part that she's already been promised, which I thought that was pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, that it's that, that curse of, oh, you have to find work within the year of winning your Tony. Right. Otherwise, you'll never work again. And then they add that stress of, Okay, well, we're doing this using this new choreographer, Bob Fosse, and he's kind of demanding, so he wants to check you out before he agrees to do it. Right. Well, we cut to the audition, and I think that she handles it really well. I mean, first we find out that Bob Fosse at the time is married to Joan McCracken, who was a pretty well-established Broadway dancer and actress at the time. And right away, she's complimenting him on his wife's work. So 
that I think that did bode well for her in the beginning. <laughs> she, yeah, Michelle Williams just played Gwen so strongly. You know, she just walked in like, okay, I own this room. Yeah. That was such a cute part in the scene. Bob kind of setting the room up like, oh, how do I sit to be nonchalant? Mm-hmm. And then Gwen kind of in the elevator going back and forth like, okay, psyching herself up, getting ready. Right. But we see that they really start to have a connection from the very beginning, and oh, yeah. which, which is really cool. I mean, it, it gives you some insight on what their working relationship was like. It was like they had a symbiotic relationship from day one. Oh, yeah. Imme- immediately, he was reading her, she was reading him. They just kind of clicked and understood each other. Yes. And when they start dancing together, they're working on whatever Lola wants. And you can see that he's actually impressed with the little touches that she adds to the dance. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So you can already see the makings of a relationship here. <laughs> There's definitely mm-hmm. chemistry between the two of them. <laughs> yeah. Then we cut back to Bob Fosse with his wife, Joan. And it's very obvious that she's not a well woman. So I was a bit curious. I did a little deep dive on her. And it turns out she was diabetic. And sadly, she she died fairly young. I believe she was 41. And she died due to a heart condition, I guess, that was caused by the diabetes. So we see that, you know, she's not well. And we're also cutting two shots of the rehearsal process. And again, it's really being emphasized to us that there's this creative partnership going on here. Oh, yeah, they were they were definitely on equal footing, even though she was the dancer and he was the choreographer. She made sure it was a partnership. Yes, she was pretty strong willed. Like you were saying before, she she comes in with a strength that really emanates. She's she's going to have you know, she's going to have her say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then we see that they actually start having an affair, <laughs> which we come to find out is not unusual for Mr. Fossey. <laughs> he was not he was, the first time. Nope. Yeah, he was a bit of a dog. <laughs> he, he liked his chorus girls. He did. He did. But I'll tell you my favorite parts about those scenes were watching the 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 rehearsal process and the choreography. I just really really enjoyed getting those little snippets of the numbers that they were working on. Mm-hmm. Oh, they had this incredible shot where Gwen was sitting in a chair and Bob was like scrunched down on the floor and then all the guys in the chorus did this like slide and turn on their knees and then he just kind of looks and smiles and Gwen smiles and he's like yep that's it that's what I want and you know what going back a little bit um, to the the very beginning of their well right before their meet their first meeting when Gwen comes to audition we see Sam Rockwell as Bob Fosse dancing and it's not for a long period of time but it's really wonderful I mean I didn't know that he had that talent yeah that's I mean I, I kind of assume that they wouldn't just hire anybody that you had to have a little background because I mean especially in the fall 
Aussie style dance because that's so just unique. Yes, and very and also very specific. I have to say that Andy Blankenbuehler really got it. He did an amazing job with some of this choreography. And obviously, these folks were trained really well. So as I said, we see that Bob and Gwen are now having an affair. And then we cut back to the beach at Majorca. And Bob and Gwen are discussing their marriage. And he just comes straight out and says he's in love with Hannah, the German translator. Yeah, that's not something you just begin to approach your wife about. Like, oh, by the way, I'm in love with this other person. Yeah. And he was a piece of work because he wanted to have his cake and eat it, too. I mean, he was like, well, I want to be with her and I want to come back to you. (laughs) Yes. And then she even jokes. She's like, oh, so what if I go get somebody? Right. You didn't like that. Yeah. And he's like, well, no, you no. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, well, that's not your style. (laughs) It's like, okay. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of like, oh, so it's sort of this bigger idea that all these women are here to serve you, whether they're dancers or your wives or your lovers you know we're here to serve you but god forbid they should get the life of their own that's not okay he yeah this is very very clearly part of bob's personality with the womanizing and then also just the kind of controlling way he was the choreographer right i'll tell you that really floored me when he i mean it almost seemed like he was confused that that gwen didn't go along with this (laughs) he he was kind of shocked Yeah. yeah Yeah. That she would have second guesses about this. Yeah, it's like, really? Really? You think that's okay? (laughs) I don't think so. So then we see a younger Bob and Gwen again. And at this point, Gwen has seen how sick Bob's wife is. And I think for anybody who would have that kind of relationship, I'm sure that would hit them hard. You don't want to be the homewrecker in a situation where the wife is sick. Right. Yeah. It's it's a hard enough situation. But then, yeah, to add, you know, to add the fact like, oh, she can't take care of herself. She can't just go out and have her own relationship. I think she was more focused on the the art, the that mm-hmm. aspect of the relationship and just the act of getting physical with him. That was just a little treat, a little, you know, yeah. a way to deeper the connection. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm in love. Mm-hmm. Well, I think eventually she fell in love with him. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It's like an extension of the art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Later yeah. in the relationship. But yeah, yeah, not not right at the beginning. Yeah. And of course, that's an old story. I mean, you hear about that a lot with with actors and you know, musicians that the people may have a partner, but then they end up connecting with someone else because of the art that they have in common. So mm-hmm. my guess is that's what happened with them. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then we cut to New Haven. And this is where I got a little excited because we see Byron Jennings, who I adored in She Loves Me. And he is playing the legendary George Abbott. And he, 
he they are all working on damn Yankees and as you know the story progresses we find out that they want to cut a number the musical chairs number which is a number that I hate to say I'm not familiar with uh, they want to cut this number that Bob is very attached to so right yeah we I think that was the one that they were working on the most during the rehearsal scene right right yeah and you could see Bob is itching to get in there. He wants to perform it himself because he thinks he can make it work, but they're not going for it. Yeah, they, they're they not falling for the trick of, oh, let's just put him on stage. Right. Because <laughs> you would never get him off. <laughs> well, I think he, he actually, I know he was in the movie. Um, I don't know because <laughs> that's way before my time and I guess I would have to look it up but I don't know if he actually made a, an appearance in the musical on Broadway I'm guessing we'll find that out later on if, if that did happen they want to cut this number and Bob is fighting them on it and then they kind of hash it out and he agrees to work on a new number so then we see our second Broadway alum <laughs> in that episode, Jeff Blumenkrantz, who I adore. And if you've never listened to, he's also a wonderful songwriter. There's a beautiful song. I'm kind of getting off track here, but I have to tell you guys about this song if you don't know it. It's called I Don't Mind. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous song that he wrote for a show. I believe it was about Benjamin Franklin. And I believe the song is sung by a family member or maybe it's his sister-in-law about the fact that she can't have a child. And the song was recorded by Audra McDonald. And if you have a chance, just listen to it. It'll make you cry. Lin-Manuel Miranda tweeted that link out during ah. that scene. Yeah, I, I, of course, I have uh, Lynn's Twitter alert on my phone. Uh -huh. So when he live tweets during Fosse, during the show, I get it. And immediately during that, the, the piano scene and that rehearsal scene, they're like, he's just like, if you want to cry for five minutes, here you go. <laughs> and you will. You will cry. I heard that song years ago, and I would listen to it over and over again, and I, I never got through it without tearing up. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Uh, he yeah. also did a terrific job many years ago in a show called Class Act, which if you're interested in composers and lyricists, this is also a great show about Ed Kleban, who was uh, the lyricist for A Chorus Line. Really, really interesting story. So anyway, getting back to <laughs> getting back to Fosse Verdon, um, yeah. we, we do see Jeff Blumenkrantz at, and he's playing Lonnie, the pianist. And Bob and Gwen are working on, you know, trying to come up with a number that's going to be a crowd pleaser. This is really what George Abbott wants. He's looking for something to to really get the crowd going. And he felt that the old scene just wasn't doing that. So <laughs> they finally come up with a song that Lonnie plays for them. They come up with a number called Who's Got the Pain? And it's a really fun number. And if you don't listen to the lyrics. Yeah, the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, the lyrics. are. Uh, but yeah, but the way it's performed is very energetic and engaging and very Fosse Verdon. Yes, yes. 
And when they show the audience, you can see the audience is loving it. Oh, yes. So, Aaron, why don't you tell us what happens when they're performing the show in New Haven (laughs) and Gwen and Joan meet in the ladies' room? (laughs) Yes. So then um, as the song progresses, we actually get to see it on stage. And um, after the performance, I guess they're getting ready for maybe a party. And Joan is in the restroom getting ready. And... um, uh, Gwen walks in and they have this very, very intense conversation where they're saying things, but they're not really saying things like Joan just keeps talking about, oh, yes, you know, I wasn't his first wife and, you know, kind of letting her know she knows, but without letting her know she knows. Mm-hmm. And it was just this really wonderful back and forth between uh, them, but the actresses uh susan miser played uh jim kraken and then michelle williams they were just stunning in that scene just the energy and the intensity mm-hmm. and you know yeah and then it kind of leaves gwen a little extra heartbroken you know because yeah. she's just like yes this is happening she knows now ah what do i do yeah so- you know the interesting thing about that scene is Joan is letting Gwen know, hey, he wouldn't be a choreographer if it wasn't for me. Uh, You know, I got him a lot of work and encouraged him to be a choreographer. And yeah, it was my name that he used to get in the door. Right, right. And she sort of suggests to Gwen in the end, like, well, I hope he treats you better than he treats me. And, you know, I think at this point, once they've actually created this new number and they're performing in New Haven, you really, really get the sense that he's starting to get dependent on her creatively, you know, not necessarily romantically, even though I think he wants to be with her. But I think if she didn't have that talent that complemented his talent, I think she'd just be like another flavor of the month. I I agree 100% with that. I even wrote a note about the hotel scene where they're talking about cutting the song Mm -hmm. and he goes and bangs on her door at like two in the morning and Scott answers the door and is like, hey, dude, it's in the morning. She's asleep. And Gwen hears this and gets up and follows Bob to the rehearsal room so that they can immediately start on something. Right. And then Scott and Joan are just left in the hallway, like, (laughs) looking at each other like, okay, what do we do with that? Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's pretty obvious that they are connecting on this level that their partners can't take part in. And judging from the first episode, you see how he really becomes dependent on her when he's filming Cabaret. He wants her to come to Munich because he needs her help. So mm-hmm. as brilliant as he was, he really needed her to kind of fully form some of his ideas. So it's, yeah. it's very it's a very interesting relationship. Then we see after the show, Bob goes looking for Gwen <laughs> and he wants to be with her. And she's like, eh, you got to leave your wife. <laughs> she's like yeah. now at a point where, to be honest, that would be the 
opposite effect having, you know, that meeting with his wife would have on me. I would just be like, I'm done with this. You know, sorry. <laughs> right. Like washing my hands of the whole situation. And she kind of dives a little deeper, like, okay, if you want me, you have to leave her. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I guess she knew what she wanted and she was going to get it. But yeah, I, I would have been like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, sorry. <laughs> See, I don't care how brilliant you are. <laughs> right, yeah. At that, at that point, okay, this is getting a little messy, like, okay. But but I think you see in his face, or at least the way Sam Rockwell is portraying it, he does feel torn. Like, I think he really does care about Joan, and that's pretty evident when they start making their plans to be together after he decides that it's over with Joan. And he says to to Gwen, you know, I don't really have a lot of money. I'm not getting paid a lot, and Joan's going to need a nurse, and I really want to help her out. So I think he does care about her. I don't know if it's like a deep caring or if it's just sympathy, but I think he's in the best way he knows, is trying to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree on that. I don't think he's a hurtful person necessarily. It's just that this is, he just follows his heart too much. Right. Okay, guys, you may hear dogs barking again. Those are my theater dogs. Sorry about that. (laughs) They love love Fosse Verdon as much as we do. They just want to chime in. Um, but we do see once Gwen tells Bob, okay, this is it. You got to leave your wife. It almost looks like Joan is the one to make the decision where she's kind of like, we see her packing and she's like, no, I'm gone. And he's trying to convince her to stay one more night. And she's like, no, I'm gone. I'm going back to New York. So yeah, like not making a fool of me anymore. We're done. Right. Right. So once Bob and Gwen have made their plans, we see another title card pop up and it says 2,389 days before Joan's death. So we know that she's not long for this world, sadly. And then we see them performing the show in New Haven and we see Nick Blameyer in the heart number, which is very cool. Um, yay yay <laughs> so that was cool and it sounded great the little oh bit of the it. harmonies Dang. yeah yeah i've always just loved that number too i just you know i i just think it's just such a great number it sounds so good and mm-hmm. they did a great job with it and oh, yeah. and I think at that point Bob is seeing really this has come together. This is going to be good. I think he's finally realizing that. And Aaron, what's our next step? I think we're getting close to the end of the episode here. Is the next one immediately when they go to the beach again? Yeah, we're and back. she's back in Moho or Majorca. Yeah, Majorca. Sorry, Majorca. Yeah, we're back in Majorca, and Gwen's yeah, pretty the- angry. <laughs> Gwen, yeah, this is this is the she's leaving the ultimatums. This is okay. I told our daughter this is happening. You may want to call her, but give her a minute because she's a little mad. Right. Um, And she tells him straight out, "Don't come home." Yeah. Like this. This is it. This is over. I'm. I'm not dealing. You know, basically, kind of mirroring the Joan leaving him. Yeah. Like. No, I'm not being a fool anymore. This is like I I need to be strong, and this needs to happen. And then uh, this this scene was in a lot of the previews. Um, he's 
holding the car door, trying to get in, and she kind of pushes him away, and he's grabbing at the window, and he's just, like, standing behind her as the car pulls away, and it's just stunning cinematography and just beautiful acting from both Sam and Michelle. Yes. I have to say, I really love, especially the way Michelle Williams portrays Gwen Verdon's maturity love. I mean, she's she just handles like the aging of that character well she was a real person i shouldn't say character yeah but but it's weird when it's a biopic like that like yes (laughs) yeah so i i find that her performance is really riveting and she handles that like i said the aging of that character really really well just in the way she holds herself the way she speaks there's always a level of maturity just mm-hmm. because of what Gwen had to go through in her younger life. Right. And then it just continues with mm-hmm. the the struggles and the ups and the downs of being in a relationship with Bob Fosse. Right. Well, I have to tell you, she, you know, she is such an interesting character. If you guys get a chance, check out the Fresh Air episode that they recently replayed. You can find the episode in podcast version um, where Terry Gross is interviewing Gwen Verdon. And she talks about some of the things that she went through. I mean, I had no idea. She had rickets as a child and had a problem with her legs. And her mother worked with her and helped her to stretch out her muscles where they needed stretching. And really, she could have had a completely different life if it wasn't for her mother. It's really interesting. And also, wow, yeah, yeah. And she also suffered, uh, suffered from stage fright at one point, but she got over that with some help. So it's a really, it's a really good interview. Check it out. That's awesome. Yeah, I love watching the biopic and then delving deeper into Finding, finding why the little Easter eggs are so fun. Yes, yes. So next week should be interesting. We're going to see the fallout from all this, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably delve a bit more into their past. <laughs> yes. It looks like Gwen is going to be doing a straight play. So I'm interested to see how that turns out. And mm-hmm. Bob will be doing his Bob thing. <laughs> Yes, I yeah, that whole when they showed the preview, that was so interesting, the the anger that they had at each other. So this will be this will be definitely a a twist on uh, what we've seen previously. Right. And, you know, I understand like she continued to work with him on occasion. I'm really interested to see how that creative relationship evolved, even though their marriage broke down. Oh, yeah, this is so exciting. Yes. This was a good one. I'm looking forward to next week. And if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at theaterthing at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to recap episode number three. And you can always find It's a Theater Thing on the Onstage Blog Network, on iTunes, or at onstageblog.com. And you can find us on Twitter. And our handle is at theaterthing. And you can find us on Facebook at It's a Theater Thing. So, Aaron, thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. And we will see you next week. Uh-huh.